Welcome to Care of Souls, a podcast of 180 Ministries where Dr. Stuart Scott serves as the executive director. 180 Ministries equips local churches with biblical counseling by offering counseling, education, and consulting services. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about how we can serve you. This podcast is being recorded in cooperation with the Masters University, where Dr. Scott also serves as a professor of biblical counseling. Visit their website at masters.edu to learn more about their programs in biblical counseling. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Smith. And today on the Care of Souls podcast, I'm here again with Dr. Stuart Scott and Pastor Adam Tyson. Our one another topic for today is do not grumble or groan or complain against one another from James chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, which reads, You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Adam and Stuart, it's all yours. Hmm. Wow. Well, when you think about grumbling, Stuart, that, that's just a natural tendency that we have as human beings, uh, whether it be something important at church or something in your marriage or just the weather could affect the way that you could grumble. <laughs> very, very true, Adam. And um, I was told you this right before the podcast of uh, past few days with some of the challenges going on in the startup of a semester and uh, all of technology and um I found myself complaining uh, and deep sighs, which, you know, this text brings out just <laughs> you're, you're blaming people for difficult situations. And in James, it's talking about trials, you know, yeah. or to count it joy instead. That's right. But if we're focused not on the Lord and if we're not, not focused on the Lord, it, you're right. The natural response is a fleshly response of I want comfort. I want ease. I want no problems. Well, you were just saying uh, to me that uh, those deep sighs that you had, are you saying that a deep sigh is a grumble? It can be. It can be. <laughs> it huh? That could show what's going on in the heart. <laughs> That's right. I was working on the same thing earlier this week on the computer, actually trying to grade some papers on Canvas, which okay. usually is fairly easy, but sometimes I get bogged down in something, and I was taking a few deep sighs, and my wife looked at me, and she said, honey, what's wrong? And I'm like, baby, this software is not working like yeah. it's supposed to. Yep. So I guess I was grumbling too, but what picked Her, clued her in was my size. I yes. kept just sighing at the computer and giving it the death stare and sighing. Yeah. Well, I know I was uh, saying some things and uh, even about my wife, just uh, kind of coming at her on a difficult, pressing situation uh, that we were facing even at home. And it wasn't her, but I was taking it out on her. I was, and that's what the text says you're blaming other people for the difficult situation you're in when it may not be them at all. And so I had to ask for forgiveness. I mean, I, I, it was sinful and uh, she was gracious to forgive me. And, but yeah, it, even this morning, you know, it, it was really good to reflect on this one another. Mm. Well, what a, what a reality it really is for our own hearts. And so now that we've confessed our grumbling <laughs> to right. one another, let's help serve our listeners this morning by just getting into a little bit more what's going on there in the context of James 5. And then as you've already alluded to, what is grumbling against one another? Well, when you look at the, just the word, it, it's to be uh, under pressure. Uh, you are stressed in a very difficult trial because that's James dealing with trials. Um, and the Lord's return is near. 
So that's right there in the context. And he is he's coming, uh, the judge is at the door. So having the Lord's return on our mind uh, to count it joy, the grumbling is sort of the fleshly response of being pressured in a difficult situation when we're told to endure, uh, but with endure with joy, not endure with grumbling. So yeah, that's a difficult thing to do because the natural tendency is to mm-hmm. grumble, complain about it. So what you're saying is that pressure ought to produce in us a joy-filled response that we know our faith is c- going to be challenged, but it should be growing and expressing itself in more maturity. But instead, sometimes we resort to complaining, or I think you mentioned here even blame shifting, where mm-hmm. we're now blaming someone else or something else for what it is that's happening. Yeah, and indirectly, we're blaming God. That's that's Genesis three, right? Yeah, that, that's Genesis three. It's the woman 3. that yeah. you gave me, God. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's, I'm struggling here. That's right. And it, it Moses, when the people were complaining against him, God said, "It's me that they're really so it, indirectly. It's against God." It's in Numbers as well, chapters and, eleven through twenty-five, yeah. on and on and on and on yeah. in the wilderness. They're complaining, and God takes that pretty seriously, yeah, doesn't he? Does he? and it, I think it, um, it's when we lose focus of the Lord. Because here it says the Lord's near. And even in anxiety in Philippians 4, don't be anxious because the Lord's near. It's when when he's out of our our thinking or out of our focus, we then look horizontally, start looking at who's to blame here for the difficult situation rather than it's the Lord and he has our good in mind. So with that in mind, you're, you're saying that basically grumbling is, we're complaining about the sovereignty of God that in that moment, we don't think his plan is really best. Yes, if, if, that we would have a better plan, that we're more wise than he is. So we think that we know better than him, and then we complain against him, and that's a sin. Yeah, but we, we, we're, not, we're not thinking we're complaining against him when we're going after the circumstances, but he is ultimately sovereign over the circumstances, ordained them. So we just don't see his hand in it we just look at the difficulty uh, and we go after other people that we do see and we oftentimes aren't thinking about the Lord uh, who we don't see. Well, what would you say to the person then who just says, I'm just expressing how I feel and I want to be true. I don't want to be overly stoic and just act like it's a great day and everything's going perfect. And so I, I need to vent, if you will. I need to get off my chest some of the concerns that I have. Is there a way a Christian can do that that's not grumbling? Well, I think you can share with others the difficulty, the challenges, but say, but God, yeah, bring it right around. God ha- has this for my good. Right. So pray for me, brother. You know, pray for me. Uh, I want to make sure I have a, a uh, that I can count this joy, but just to leave it with the difficult circumstances and leave God out of it. I think really is sinful. It's just grumbling. I couldn't agree more. I know my wife and I talk about this a lot because we do want to, in our marriage, have clear, Mm -hmm. healthy communication. Mm -hmm. And if I get home from work, I want to say, hey, hey, sweetie, how was your day? You know, and if she's had a tough day, she needs to be able to say, you know what, today really was difficult. I had this trial and this trial and this trial. But like you said, if she just stops there, then guess what I'm tempted to do? 
<laughs> well, honey, isn't God good? And yeah. even in our trials, we got to know God's good. So if I start to do that at that moment, that's not actually helping in yeah. that moment. But we have talked enough about it to say, hey, honey, when you're having a rough day, if you're able to, with God's help, to say, hey, my day was tough, it mm-hmm. was difficult, here's the trials I face, yeah. but I know God's good, and I know God's growing me in my faith, then in that moment, even the way I respond to her is totally different. Right. Instead of feeling like I've got to shepherd her in this moment, right. I'm actually encouraged by the fact that she's being real and honest about a tough day, but at the same time, pointing both of us in that moment back to Christ. Yeah, and even to uh, agree uh, with them, I'm so sorry, yeah. it's hard. I mean, just to identify a little bit and say, I'm so sorry, it's been a hard day. Right, that's the first thing that that's should right. come out of our mouth before Romans 8.28. Yeah, that's right. That's so Romans right. 8.28 is coming because right. we don't want to throw yeah. that verse right. in the ditch. I right. mean, one of my challenges to people is they, I think so many people like roll their eyes when they hear Romans 8.28, yeah. for we know God causes all things to work together for good. You know, it's kind of like when I quote Ephesians 6.1 to my children, children, uh, you know, obey your parents in the Lord. Sometimes people start to roll their eyes and cast that aside. Yeah. So we're saying we don't want to cast that verse or that principle aside, but it might not be the very first thing that you say because you want to identify with and you want to emulate uh, a, a compassion for the individual is going through a tough time. Yeah. And again, Jesus models that with the churches in Revelation when he says, I see this. This is hard. I see the persecution. I see the hardship. So he identifies, I mean, in the sense of, uh, but then comes in with maybe some correction if it's needed and how to guide one another to just, where's the Lord at in this? Um, And to do it gently and with wisdom well, what would you say about the person in your church or in your small group that you really do believe has a complaining spirit? And genuinely speaking, you feel like they're characterized by grumbling and complaining on a regular basis. Do you know anybody like that? Have you faced anybody <laughs> like that? Not in my small group. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how do we help them, genuinely help them? Yeah. And I think those are, um, I remember a guy like that. Um, and I just met with him privately. And I just ask questions, what's going on in his life? Yeah, Because usually there's just hardship everywhere, it seems like in their life. And they're just taking it out when they get a, an yeah. opportunity to vent. And so I just was just exploring what's all going on in your life. And then to bring it around to say, this is how it's coming across. And it, it's not right, it's not edifying and but in a very gracious way to be able to talk with him in dialogue and just say, I'm not your enemy, I'm your friend. I want to help yeah. you. And how did that individual respond? Were they able to see what you were saying? Were they thankful for they what did. you were doing? And did you see change in them? Uh, I did. And uh, I actually had to confess uh, my own reaction to him because <laughs> I uh, was abrupt with him in a group. Uh, this was after you know he was going on and on and on, and I just came back. So I was actually... Ax- asking him for forgiveness for how I responded. Yeah. And then he did likewise. And we had a really good conversation and I found out a lot of things going on uh, there with him. And he seemed to really change. Um, we, we need that. That's love, loving one another. Yeah, it's just confessing. I've been grumbling about your grumbling. <laughs> That's and right. So I need to ask you to forgive me for, <laughs> yeah. for that kind of spirit. But I also want to just point out what I'm seeing in your yeah. life out of my love for you. Yeah. 
some some people can just get caught in that bad spot to where they just feel like that's where they are. It's everything's negative all the time. Where am I? What was me? And what you're saying is the way to fix that, the antidote to that is just to be reminded of the gospel, yep. be reminded of the goodness of God, be reminded of all the blessings that he's given you. And that's just kind of where you start, big picture. Yep. And then you get down to, hey, this trial that God's ordained in your life is for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the reason is to make you more like Christ. You know, we talked about Romans 8, 28, but rarely should we share that without adding verse 29, which basically says that we're to be conformed into the image of his son. Right. So the point of that is that we're becoming more like Jesus. Yes. And then we can ask one another, are you becoming more like Jesus with this trial? Or are you grumbling like the children of Israel back in the wilderness? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the ten spies. They 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 presented facts, and they didn't bring God into the the facts, and it made the whole the whole multitude grumble, and complain. But it seemed like Joshua and Caleb were able to handle the facts, the hardship, the giants, and say, "But God, God called us. He'll be with us. He'll help us." A very different response there. Same yet, facts. Still, same facts. Yeah, but a different response. Mm -hmm. One's trusting in God. We're going to see the Lord's grace and his power to bring us through this and to give us what he's promised to give us, which is the land. And God's promised to give us joy in the midst of trial. He's promised to give us a rock to set our feet upon, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we just really have to move from that pessimistic outlook Mm -hmm. on life to an optimistic outlook on life. And it's in light of the Lord's near, right? He's near. His return is, is soon. And uh, that's the context. He, he'll make all things right, and mm-hmm. uh, we trust him and, and try to grow through it and endure through the difficult time with joy. Well, let's talk just for a moment about the parents that might be listening. They've got little ones at home. It's a common thing for toddlers and even teenagers to get into a spirit of grumbling or complaining about so many things that happen inside the home. What would you say to that mom who just feels like right now her little two-year-old or three-year-old is just whining and complaining about everything? How would you encourage that mom today? Well, uh, you know, there's always specifics. You know, what has she been doing? What, uh, how long has this been going on? What are the the circumstances around it? Because that that'll really help on some action steps yeah. that she can take. But I, I think she needs to be one going to the Lord in prayer and asking the Lord for grace, not trying to do the day uh, in her own strength. Yeah, and and she needs to pray without ceasing mm. uh, to keep the Lord. Uh, he is near, but to make sure in her mind she's communing with the Lord in prayer throughout the day. I think it, that's a, a good place to to have some fellowship with other women, yeah, other moms, as Titus mm-hmm. says, that they can encourage her mm-hmm. on how to love not only her husband, but her children that's as right. well. So there can be some real uh, community there of one anothering. Mm-hmm. That can be really helpful. But, you know, discipline it's that discipline training. He, uh, the mom can address the heart of the child, yeah. depending on what age, uh, that they can understand. But then discipline, and it some days it's like that's all you do over and over and over again. And you think, boy, this day was a waste. But it really wasn't in your sanctification. Yeah. If you're growing in the Lord and that's you right. realize, you know, the Lord does this with, with his children. Yeah. 
I mean, we see it sometimes easier in the life of those younger children of the constant complaining and bickering yeah. and whining. And you're saying that needs to be addressed, and it might come to a point of even discipline. Could if be. a parent, a mom or dad, were to say to their child, look, if you continue to whine mm-hmm. and carry on, let's right. even talk about the temper tantrum. You know, what, How do people respond to that in our culture today? Because different people probably have different ways that they want to be sensitive to what the child's going through, but we can't allow right. a child to literally roll around on the floor and cry and carry on. Yep, that's right. So what do we do? Uh, well, if you do nothing, you end up seeing what people do in the streets, in the cities, <laughs> uh, even today, and uh, they're protesting. But um, with a temper tantrum, you know, that's where there would be, uh, as far as you, I mean, it's, depending if it's in public or if it's in at home, yeah, uh, it would be a very quick discipline yeah. at home. Uh, in public, you may have to just take your right your child right out of the store, you know, and go home, whatever, someplace private to be able to discipline. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more in public. You might want to just pick up your child and head home where you can address it better. And we've done that before where we've had to leave. I've left a grocery cart before. I've left a ball game before. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. if you're just in a situation where it's out of control, that would be a wise thing to do. At home, I think we've just picked up our little ones and taken them up to the bedroom and just say, hey, I love you. I know it's been a tough day, but we've been really trying to help you get through this, and this is not allowed. And then there's that loving discipline that's applied in a conversation and a prayer. And I think that that's something that parents need to feel okay about doing versus just letting it go on and on and on. And sometimes you can't hear that. It takes someone else sometimes. I've appreciated in my life to occasionally have someone else say, hey, look, this is what I'm seeing. I'm not sure how you guys are addressing it, but I'm just letting you know what I'm seeing. It is and good. then that helps as a mm-hmm. wake-up call of like, hey, I need to do a better job stepping yeah. into that situation and not just allowing it to go on and on unaddressed. Yeah, we can definitely accommodate, get used to something rather than uh, correct it. Yeah. You're right. And how about with teenagers when we get into the idea of them complaining or grumbling about, you know, wanting to get their driver's license or go to the movies or, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm four teenagers getting their driver's license, but I'm just saying, you know, what if somebody just gets so fixated on one thing that they really want to do? Uh, how would you help the teenager? Well, the same would be there is I would want to talk with them. Uh, they're a young adult. Uh, I'd want to address their heart. Yeah. They may want something good, but want it too much, yeah. right? Then it can becomes a lust or an idolatrous kind of a situation that if they're a believer or a professing believer, our, our greatest goal is to glorify God. So how is this glorifying him? So I want to address their heart, but if they refuse, you know, like a child, if, if they yeah. refuse and keep coming uh, at that, then there is other consequences. Now, it wouldn't be the rod or something like that, but it is some sort of consequence that's painful for them that helps them understand There's you address the heart and there's a disciplined training to the behavior. Yeah. I mean, really, we're exposing idolatry. Yeah. There's something they really want. They're not getting it. They're complaining about it. We're trying to help them see that. Yep and then help them to deal with it in a more God-honoring way. Right. Particularly if they profess Christ. That's right. That it could just be like, hey, honey, hey, sweetie, hey, young man, I love you, but you've been going on and on about this, and that's got to stop. And let's talk about what's going on in your heart. How can we help you? Because we want you to communicate your desires, and Mm -hmm. we don't want to lord over you to the point you can't express what you're feeling and what you're going through, but we want to help you do that in a sanctified way and in a way that also submits to God's sovereign plan and to your parents' authority and prerogatives to lead through that situation the way they see best. Right. 
And again, it's not complicated. It's just challenging. Yes. So you don't have to be super smart with a PhD to this one. You just need God's grace. That's right. Yep. Another great discussion, guys. Thank you. As you both brought out, grumbling is a subtle and yet serious sin that we need to guard our hearts against and actively do the opposite of grumbling, which is giving thanks to God instead. And sometimes, even in the midst of difficult situations, while trusting that God is working all things together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Some challenges for us to take heart from today's discussion include thinking of a difficult situation you've been in recently where you've been uncomfortable, inconvenienced, or put in harm's way perhaps through no specific sinful action by another. Things in a way just happened as God orchestrated them, of course. And so as you think about these situations, think about how you've responded in them, how you've conducted yourself as you've walked through them. Have you become sinfully angry, blamed others, or been tempted to envy others because they aren't in the same situation? Or maybe you just haven't been very joyful or thankful. If you perceive that you've sinned in your attitude or response or even by neglect, then repent. Meditate on Christ and all that you have to be thankful for in Him and with others. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and other passages speak to this. Lastly, write down some specific things for which you can express thanks to God and to other believers. Guard your heart against grumbling and keep short accounts with God to avoid becoming entangled by that sin. Actively and consistently praising God, giving thanks to Him, seeking Him and learning and obeying His Word, the Scriptures, and encouraging others are the very best ways to guard our hearts against grumbling and complaining. Well, that's all for today and for this series on the One Another's. For more insights into the One Another's from Scripture, pick up a copy of Dr. Scott's book, 31 Ways to Be a One Another Christian. We'll be back with another series on the Care of Souls podcast soon as we seek to encourage and equip the body of Christ with biblical counseling. Until then, thanks for joining us and take care. Thank you for joining us today on Care of Souls. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the truth from Scripture and are better equipped to serve Christ in His church. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about our resources and services. Until next time, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. May the Lord bless you as you abide in Him.